0: This is Jason Robel, and you're listening to the Beat by Beat Podcast.
1: The finest ingredients are right in the mix.
0: And I realized that my family wasn't personally concerned about whether it was vegan or not. They just had this notion in their head that, oh, if it's vegan, it tastes like crap. Once I was able to shatter that myth, they were like, oh, this is really good. And that's what I meant earlier as food is activism of saying, like, I'm going to show you that this lifestyle is actually doable, and it's delicious.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to a holiday edition of Vegan Mythbusters on the Beat by Beat podcast. If you're new to the show our goal is to bust common myths in the vegan lifestyle with leading inspirational advocates in the community. Today on the show is Jason Robel, a vegan chef and wellness expert whom you might know from the first primetime cooking series on the cooking channel called How to Live to 100, or maybe from his popular YouTube channel, The J-Ro Show, or maybe his new cookbook called Eternity, which dropped this year. Or if you're in LA, you might have seen him perform his hilarious stand-up act at a local comedy club. A jack-of-all-trades, a creature of habit, a devout cat lover, Jason Robel brings his A-game in this episode as we sift through many vegan myths, dive into dealing with depression, answer how to not strangle your loved ones over your tofurkey meal at Thanksgiving, and discuss the current election effects on the vegan movement as well as some other interesting topics. This was a really fun episode to do, so I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did, but before we get into it, I'll update you briefly on Beat by Beat. Since this is a longer episode, I'll try to keep this intro fairly short. Um, Recently, we were at Animal Equality's 10-year anniversary celebration here in LA, and I was honored to be among some amazing advocates and celebrate the hard work that Animal Equality has done over the years. I had an opportunity to volunteer with the iAnimal 360 virtual reality tour this summer with my girlfriend Stephanie who toured with them through the fall and that was such a great experience. If you don't know about Animal Equality, I would definitely check them out and if you want to donate, their donations will be matched now until the end of the year. You can go to animalequality.net for more information. Events coming up, um, I will be at Sapling Vegan's Pop Lock and Shop It event on December 3rd. That's going to be at Deluxe Screen Printing in downtown LA. Um, those are the guys that I get my t-shirts printed from. And that will be from 12 to 4 and the event is a benefit for Mercy for Animals. So if you want to get a ticket into the event, all you have to do is donate $5 for entry through a special link and the link is donate.mercyforanimals.org forward slash pop lock and shop it. You can also donate at the door and of course those proceeds go to benefit mercy for animals. Um, this is going to be an awesome event. There's gonna be crazy cool vendors there, such as uh Leica magazine, Bare Bones, Plant Food for People, Your Vegan Friend, Hipsters for Sisters, uh, We Got Beat and Reel, Meowsing, Indie Jams, Indie Airy, uh, Ruby Roth is the author of We Don't Eat Animals, a uh, children's book. Um, there's Osea, uh, Plant Alchemy, Artisan Cheese, which is done by Ted, aka Walk Wildside. Um, there's also Blue Elf Succulents, and Megan Stuhlberg. So, come out if you're in LA, it's going to be super awesome, it's a great way to shop for holiday gifts, and I'm going to have a lot of sale items there, as well as a few new items uh, in the line, so I'm excited to launch that with you guys. So, mark your calendars for December 3rd. Um, I'm also going to be DJing the Champions for Change event December 10th in Malibu. I'm really looking forward to this event thanks to uh, Jane Velez Mitchell of Jane Unchained, uh, Katie Cleary of World Animal News, Simone Reyes, and Judy Mancuso of Social Compassion. Uh, The honorees for the night will be uh, Mr. Mark Ching, who goes undercover and risks his life to save dogs from the meat uh, trade in in, uh, Asia, and Anita Krasnick. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but um, she's the leader of the Toronto Pig Save, and she stood trial for giving water to pigs on a truck that was taking them to slaughter. And then, of course, there is a uh, music legend and activist, Diane Warren. So if you want more information on that or how to get tickets, you can visit, visit uh, socialcompassion.org. All right, and as far as events goes, that will be it for me for the rest of the year unless something else pops up. In the meantime, I did want to mention a podcast I was on recently. Um, It's called Touching the Trail, and it's by um, a guy named Jared Contreras. He is an 18-year-old that lives in San Pedro, um, and he's vegan, and he started this uh, podcast, and he has a bunch of... um, vegan athletes and, uh, prominent figures in the community on his show, which is great. And I just want to say that, um, I think what he's doing is amazing and I wish I was that cool when I was his age. <laughs> so, um, if you guys want to check out that podcast, uh, that I did with him, you can just go to touchingthetrail.com. Um, and I want to thank his family for having me over for dinner as well. That was, um, pretty awesome. His mom made us, some. um, chicken and waffles with, uh, like a maple sriracha syrup. It was delicious. So thanks again, Jared, uh, for having me on. And, um, that's about it guys. So why don't we get started and get it going with Jason Robel. Seems to me like they want us to be afraid, man. Maybe we just like being afraid. Maybe we just used to it at this point that it's just a part of us, part of our culture. Security alert on Orange. It's been on Orange since 01, G. I mean, what's up, man? Can a brother get yellow, man, just for like two months or something? Goddamn. Sick of that. Mike check. Thank you for being on the show today.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
1: All right. Um, so, what have you been up to?
0: I've been traveling a lot. A lot. I I actually uh, have been missing home, which is Los Angeles. I'm actually, I'm like five minutes from you. Yeah, I'm like practically right down the street. I'm in K-town, yeah, Yeah. so it didn't take long to get here. Awesome. Uh, But I've just, I've been on the road uh, so much for the book. You know, uh, Eternity came out in April, uh, my new vegan cookbook, and I've just been touring most of the year with that. So I I just got back from uh, Atlanta and Miami, which were both really fun. Uh, Really great vegan communities in both those cities. And and you know, one of the reasons that I really love traveling is um, is of course exposing more people to my work and my recipes and, and, you know, my activism through food. Right. But just getting a gauge on what's going on in I guess the smaller markets. Because, you know, being in a place like LA, we're so spoiled with veganism here. I know. With the restaurants and our really strong community. But then when we go other places, I really love to just gauge what's going on in those. You know, what's right. the community like there? What's going on in the scene. Um, and I kind of feel like when I travel, like those smaller cities or even the small towns I've gone to, they're even hungrier for the information. They're even more curious yeah, because they don't have a, a huge vegan scene there yet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's cool that you were just in Atlanta because that's my hometown. Yeah. So ATL, all right. Um, but yeah, the the movement there in the community has grown so much since, since I left, which was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. So... It's amazing going back and seeing, like, uh, you know, how much it's grown. And I did a few little events there, which went really well and better than I expected. So, yeah, everyone is... It's cool to see new restaurants popping up. And you went to Urban Fix.
0: Oh, man, it was... <laughs> it was so yeah, good.
1: I didn't get a chance to go. I was so bummed. Oh, you ha-
0: so you haven't been yet?
1: No, I haven't been yet.
0: Yeah, it's... Um... It's very uh it's very elegant. So, um how would I equate it? Like we have we have Crossroads yes, here, which is like right. the fancy vegan restaurant in LA. It's got that vibe like beautiful decor, uh, incredible interior design, big open space, and everything is very is very thoughtful. Right. Um, so beyond like some of the other places in Atlanta like Sunflower Cafe mm-hmm. or say Soul Vegetarian, which are kind of more down home like Comforty style food. Yep. This was like really high end Asian fusion. And, and again, from a culinary perspective, you know, as a vegan chef, I love to see, um, I guess, kind of like vegan restaurants getting into mainstream palettes. Yeah. Where they were saying like most of the people that dine there are not vegan. Right. And apparently on Yelp, uh, Urban Fix was voted the number one restaurant in Atlanta, not just the number one vegan restaurant. So cool. The number one restaurant, period.
1: <laughs> I love that. Right? That's, that's so awesome. It's very awesome. Yeah. And so Miami, too, you were just there for Seed Food and Wine.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Did you speak or did you...
0: I spoke a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke a lot. So yeah. what I thought, yeah. Uh, seed, is, seed is a really uh, cool mashup because... It seems like they're combining uh, three different concepts into one festival. So, um, they've got uh, the Seed Summit, which is kind of like the same style that Vita Vegan Con was. I don't know if you went to Vita, Vita Vegan Con. No, I didn't. But it, okay, it was more um, it was more like uh, workshops and and uh, content to help you build your brand mm-hmm. and have more influence, uh, classes on photography, classes on social media, so cool. uh, classes on uh, how to be vegan in a relationship if your significant other was not vegan, which I spoke on that panel. Nice. Uh, I spoke on the cookbook publishing panel. So it starts off with this really great format of uh, empowering plant-based vegan creators and and, and influencers and brand Uh, people to take their business to the next level, which is cool. Yeah. And then the next day is sort of the um, more culinary day where they have all the fancy dinners and they have all the gourmet plated courses where you come and dine. And then they have the festival day, which is just like 200 vendors and I don't know, it must've been like 5,000 people. Massive number of people. Yeah. So it's cool that they're just kind of doing this mashup where there's something for everybody.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I went uh, last year to it and it was awesome. I wasn't able to go this year because I've traveled to Atlanta and it was a little too much to stay that long away from California. So yeah. um but yeah, so you also did you were you a judge in the burger battle or were you just participating no
0: i was (laughs) no i was just participating but like this is going to sound like the worst complaint possible okay (laughs) but uh so they had 14 they had 14 different burgers in the competition you think oh that's awesome like if i get to eat 14 burgers (laughs) but since i am not vegan fat kid
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm not vegan fat kid. Uh, How's it getting, Tim? If you're listening, (laughs) I'm getting better, brother. I sound less Australian now, more New Zealand. New Zealand, New Zealand. I'm not vegan fat kid. So 14 burgers was painful. Oh. I I literally got to burger number 12, and I had to take probably a 45 minute break. Oh my god. I was just like, oh. Because then
1: is it like, can you even taste the differences in things at that point? It's like they all probably kind of. It's just kind of food at that point. Yeah, I, I, feel,
0: I feel like there's a point where your palate just gets overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, I'll taste the same. Right. Uh, but it was fun. But, but I'm telling you, like 14 burgers is not...
1: That doesn't You got to train sound. for that. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's painful. Seriously.
1: Like everyone has to be a vegan fat kid
0: That's a judge, right? <laughs> he needs to be a judge for everything.
1: Yeah. Um, so do you know who ended up winning that competition?
0: Yeah. Um, so there was there was the judges vote and then there was the popular vote, okay. much like the electoral college and the popular vote. We're not going to get into that right <laughs> oh now. My God. Not going to get that. Yeah. That's not the type of the podcast this <laughs> is. But it's similar in the sense that, like, the judges had their vote and then the people voted. So okay. uh, the judges vote. Um, I'm sorry. No, not the judges. The people's vote was for Arlo's. Out okay. of Austin, Texas. Oh. And they, their burgers are, th- their style of burger is very much like um, like a down-home, like what you would imagine like a Texas burger to be. Like, yeah. Like nothing fancy, but just really amazing flavor. And okay. a- incredible texture and just like a standard amazing burger. Nice. So they won the people's vote. The judges voted for, oh, I'm trying to remember the name, uh, something about like a, a light love uh, if they're listening, I'm going to get like, you didn't remember our name. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't no. remember. It's, it's a local Miami place and okay. they did more of like a super clean, uh, more of like, it wasn't a fully raw burger, but just like a really clean, healthy style burger. Nice. So they won the judges. Okay. Yeah. So cool. they got some hometown love.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I know that from California we had Sun Cafe mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who else from California there was, but. I think
0: but... that was the California vendor. Yeah, but it yeah. was cool because because some people had like uh, like really clean like raw burger. Other people had like uh, the one I voted for was it was a Thanksgiving burger. Oh,
1: oh and wow! So
0: there was cranberry sauce and there was gravy Ooh. and there was the burger patty and it was it was so unique uh, because it had the savoriness of the burger patty, but yeah, then the sweetness of the sauce and the gravy. And it was like an entire Thanksgiving meal in one burger. And that I thought sounds, that sounds very creative.
1: That is really creative. That yeah. sounds pretty good. Um, well, cool. So are you – what is next for you? What are you doing?
0: Uh, what's next for me? So that's a, let, me, let me try and complete that. That's <laughs> much I'm, I'm focusing on right now. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I So – What's next for me is I'm actually developing recipes right now um, for uh, Wanderlust. Wanderlust Yoga is mm-hmm. uh, they're they're big in New York. They've got a studio here in L. A. Um, very very much focused on you know yoga and health and organic food. They're coming out with a cookbook next year uh, called Find Your True Fork. And their concept for this cookbook is basically to present a a variety of different culinary styles. So they've got vegetarian, they've got vegan, they've got raw, they've got paleo, they've got, I think, macro. Cool. Um, And they actually asked me to be the person representing vegan. So they did a great interview, uh, really just getting into the ethics of veganism, uh, why I chose to do this as a living, uh, what my philosophy is around food. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to be an interview. There's going to be five recipes. And then sometime next year at Wanderlust Yoga in LA, I'm going to do a, um, like a curated five course dinner wow. to promote the book.
1: That sounds awesome. So
0: I like it because I feel like I'm going to be speaking to an audience that may or may not be exclusively vegan or plant-based, right. but I'm going to be representing our voice and using food, like I said, as activism to say like, this is ethically why I chose veganism. This is why I feel it's good for the planet. Uh, this is why I've chosen this lifestyle over all others yeah. for 18 years and, Absolutely. and running. So that's a cool project. Um, what else is coming up? I have, uh, uh, I'm going back to Detroit, which is where I'm from in December for the holidays, uh, which is kind of personal and business. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been back for the holidays in many years. Okay. So it's going to be good to see mom, see my family. Um, and then I'm also doing a book signing for anybody, any fans in Detroit, uh, at Detroit vegan soul. It's a vegan cool. soul food restaurant downtown. I'll be there on December 27th doing a book signing. Uh, and then that, that'll be the end of the tour, the book tour for 2016. Uh, But the big thing that I'm super focused on right now is I have a a new online course that's launching on January 30th called My Healthy Hustle. And it's all about really encouraging a balanced life for super busy people. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna have um, meal hacks and recipe plans and fitness tips and meditation. And basically all the things on how to live a super balanced life Because the big thing I see, Jack, is is people will have like one aspect of life dialed in, Mm -hmm. but they might be ignoring the other aspects of their life that can actually make them feel really good and healthy. Me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, What's what is it?
1: Raise my hand. Me. (laughs) What is it for you? What is it for you? Oh, just exercise and you know that sort of thing. Uh, So yeah, I mean, I've got my my uh, what I eat down, but I'm lacking in um, that exercise proponent that is. Really important. So, for sure. Yeah. So, I could use some tips on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm
0: going to, I'm just basically going to show people like, like how to hack their life in a way. Like, you don't need to go hardcore and like six days a week to the gym. But, like, if you're starting off at home, this is the stuff you can do at home just to get yourself off the ground. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that's it. I, I just want to give people that extra push, that extra motivation. You know, I'm launching it in late January because um, I did some research. You know, everyone's all about the New Year's resolutions, yes, right? Like, exactly. oh, hardcore New Year's resolutions. <laughs> But between the twenty one and thirty day mark is when we see people trying to eat healthy, work out, meditate, take better care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right around the twenty one to thirty day mark is when they fall off the wagon. Yeah. So I wanna reach up and go, No, 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 I got you. Yeah. Like after hang they on, fall off the wagon be like, I got you. <laughs> Don't let go. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that.
1: That sounds awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um so you had touched on a f- couple things that I wanted to go over, but first I want to go back to, let's talk about your background. So you said you're from Detroit. My dad's actually from there. Oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Born from, and raised. From the city? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's rad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's really cool. And um, I just wanted to kind of get into like how you became a raw foods uh, chef and instructor and how you came into um, the vegan lifestyle, basically.
0: Yeah. um, You know, for me, it was an interesting journey because uh, the first, say, three to four years of my life, I was by default vegan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was not really an intention that my mom had with raising me. Uh, I was raised by a single mom. And, um, you know, I have been lactose intolerant my entire life. I've never been able to handle dairy. So from the get go, it was this this thing of, you know, after he's done breastfeeding, like, what do we feed him if we can't give him milk? So right. I was actually on soy formula and soy products as a really, really young boy. Um, and my mom just wasn't feeding me any animal products. Like, it was just, she would make basically uh, baby food from scratch. Like, she would blend it up and make, like, raw baby food. Cool. Um, and so what ended up happening was, you know, this was this was the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, the pediatrician at the time was really concerned that I was going to be malnourished and was kind of pushing her to like feed me animal products. And she got freaked out by that because at that time in the seventies and eighties, there was not nearly the the vast resource of research and scientific studies we have now to show that right. yes, you can raise a child vegan and it's perfectly healthy. If you pay attention to their nutrition, those resources weren't available. So you know, she got freaked out and I got into school like preschool and I started seeing like what my friends were eating Uh, And so I went from being vegan the first few years of my life to going to a standard American diet. And then when I was 18 years old, my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. And it was very clear that he wasn't going to make it. Mm. And um, psychologically, that did something very interesting for me because you know my grandpa was very much like the patriarch of the family, like the strong person. Like you went to grandpa for anything. Right. And to see him just get so weak and die like that um, it started to help me kind of turn the lens inward to look at my own life. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to end up that way, Yeah. you know, and, and looking at his lifestyle choices, which were not healthy lifestyle choices. And then looking at how I was living. I mean, I had no consciousness about what I was eating, how I was living. Uh, I wasn't healthy at all. Yeah. So over the course of, um, uh, being 18 years old to right before I turned 21, I just started researching like a like a crazy person. You know, the internet had just come out. This was 1995.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and so I just started like hearing about mad cow disease and factory farming. And that led to research about holistic remedies for cancer and vegetarianism and veganism. So between age 18 and age 20, I was just being a research freak mm-hmm. and not intending that I was going to end up being vegan. But right before my 20th birthday uh, in 1998, uh, I remember standing in my mom's kitchen at her house in Detroit and being like, Hey mom, um, I think I'm a vegan now. <laughs> like it was the it was the weirdest thing because that was never the intention. I just, all the research I'd read and, and and everything that I examined in my own heart about my ethics and how I wanted to show up in this world in, yeah. in extending the most compassion and love, not only to my own body health-wise, but the animals and, and the environment. Absolutely. I saw no other lifestyle choice. I, it was irrefutable to me even at you know age 20 that like this one choice to shift into this way of being it, it's going to benefit everyone yeah every literally like it's just going to spread love and compassion and generosity and grace in this world and I just couldn't turn back so my mom's reaction was actually very cool she looked at me she said okay that's cool that's cool i just want to make sure you do it right you do it healthy and then three months later, she was vegan. So she's been a vegan for 18 years now, too. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that. So
0: the original inspiration was health. You yeah. know, Not wanting to um, write the same history that, say, my grand- grandfather did or other members in my family who were diagnosed with certain diseases. But very, very quickly, you know, the ethics and the compassion came in. And so, um, like I said, once once I had kind of that three-pronged motivation... Mm-hmm. Uh, there there was no way I was going to turn away from that choice. Yeah. It was just so obvious for me.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. And to have your mom be there as a support system, well, each other, that yeah. you're going through this thing at the same time, that's awesome.
0: It was a blessing. Yeah. You know, and, and I know so many people that, you know, they struggle with uh, perhaps their family not being supportive of their lifestyle choice right. of, of being vegan or eating plant-based. And, and I know my situation was very unusual. Like my mom going oh, yeah. vegan like three months after <laughs> I did. That doesn't happen very often, but... Um, the thing that I say to people who are, are, you know, perhaps, um, I don't know, disillusioned or sad that their family isn't supportive, you know, it took a lot of years uh, just living by example and, and making food and just, just, you know, me doing me. But, mm-hmm. you know, my aunt is vegan now. My two cousins are vegan. My uncle is heading in that direction because he's pre-diabetic. Wow. So just know that, you know, when you shine your light and you live according to your own ethics and your own highest good, that you really don't know what seeds you're planting, Right. And so, um, rather than me being like, say pushy toward them and being like, don't you know what you're doing? Yeah. Just letting the food do the talking and letting my lifestyle do the talking. Yeah. It took a few years, but they came around.
1: That's great. Yeah. And I've seen changes like that in my family as well. My dad had a heart attack, um, a few years ago and he's, his doctor, this, around this time he was living in, um, Palm beach Mm -hmm. in Florida. His doctor actually told him to go plant-based.
0: His doctor. His
1: doctor. Yeah. So he did lost a ton of weight. That was the skinniest I've ever seen him in my entire life. Yeah. And he was healthy. He's doing he's doing great. Um, but he's not totally plant-based now. He, he'll eat a little bit of dairy here and there, but he's very conscious about what he does eat and, um, you know, watches the, the oils, the salts, the sugars. And, you know, so he's doing way better than you know what he was before, which is great. And then my, um, brother and sister, they eat plant based meals a lot too. So it's great. Yeah. When I was there, actually my, my brother and his girlfriend, we all made the entire family, um, a vegan meal. So it was cool that, you know, they hosted and it was, it was great. So it's cool to, to have that support in a family for sure. Yeah.
0: And being patient to like, let people find it on their own. Yeah. You know, like you said, your dad, I mean, it, it took his medical doctor saying, Hey, you need to be plant-based. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just, um, the right voice or it needs to hit them, uh, in their heart or, or in their emotions in a certain way. Yep. So, you know, I just say like, be patient, keep living your life, you know, make really great food. Cause I, I've seen people convert because they just had this idea that, you know, vegan food is bland and it's right. granola and it's hemp seeds and it's all this just blah.
1: Right.
0: But when they realize that, um, The fear, I think, of deprivation comes up a lot, right? Like, oh, I'm going to feel deprived. I'm going to have to give up all this stuff. Yeah. But if I think they can see that it actually expands you more and and you actually get exposed to all these crazy foods you never even knew existed. I know. Like, I eat way better, I mean, obviously health-wise, but but I eat a more variety of food now than I did when I was eating a standard American diet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think
0: it's the opposite of deprivation.
1: (laughs) I, I could not agree more, yeah. I mean, I... I was definitely eating just the same types of foods when I was, before I was vegan and not really branching out to, you know, the ideas of, of different vegetables. And I, I mean, I learned about so many different vegetables and fruits and things out there. Once I became vegan and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never even heard of this, you know, type of produce out there, which was, you know, but now there's, there is, there's so much variety and so many things you can do and flavors and yeah. your palate changes and, you know, you start to crave these foods that are, um, you know, just really nutritious for you. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. yeah
1: definitely. Um, so how did you end up becoming a raw foods chef?
0: Yeah. So, so I, <laughs> I went down the path of, uh, junk food, veganism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs>
0: uh, j- just eating, oh, man, eating a lot of fried foods, eating a lot of processed food, eating a lot of just stuff out of packages all the time. And, yep. um, uh, in 2005, early 2005, I, I, uh, I remember I had a moment, the, the, the turning point for me was I, I was actually on tour with uh, Gary Urofsky, the animal rights activist yeah. and we were on tour on the East coast and uh, and we were, we were in Ohio. We were coming back to Michigan cause he lives in, D- in the Detroit area as well. Okay. Um, we were coming back from East coast tour and we stopped at a bakery in Ohio and it was the first time I'd ever been to like a vegan bakery. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm freaking out like an entire vegan bakery. Like what? Oh my God. <laughs> And so I did something totally ridiculous and also totally gangster at the same time, which was I went up to the counter and I said to the woman at the bakery, I'll take one of everything.
1: Oh. <laughs> you sound like me. That's that's something that I do. Right. I just yeah. like
0: literally. So she gives me this giant box, right? Yeah. Just a giant like pink box of like one of every single baked good. And I binged so hard on those baked goods that I, I just made myself sick. Oh, yeah. And it was just this interesting moment of like, Mm, do you really, is this really healthy? Yeah. Right. Yes. The ethics are there, the environment, you're, you're vegan, but are you really like being healthy with this? And so I actually, um, was dating someone at the time who was really into raw food. And I was like, well, tell me about this raw food thing. So we started making recipes together and and exploring like a very, very clean form of veganism, which was just raw. So Mm -hmm. I actually ended up you know doing 100% raw. Uh, I went to culinary school and learned, uh, I went to the Living Light Culinary Arts Academy, uh, which at the time was just exclusively raw. Now they do cooked vegan and raw food. Okay. Um, And that's three hours north of San Francisco, great culinary school. So I was just like full on into raw. Like 05 to 08, I was like hardcore, just raw foodist. Yeah. But what ended up swinging the needle to the other side, like I went from junk food veganism to like fully raw, <laughs> yeah. was um, that I felt like my body was really cold, uh, especially in the winter time, like I just didn't feel balanced. And I actually ended up going to see a traditional Chinese uh, medicine consultant who was also a vegan. And he said, yeah, you can, you can do raw, but he said during the winter time, if you're not eating seasonally, you're not eating warm grounding foods, your body can very much get out of balance. So I actually had a lot of damp, dampness in my spleen, dampness, dampness in my kidneys, and I could just feel that my body was off. Mm -hmm. So then I started incorporating, you know, things like cooked root vegetables, soups, quinoa, uh, just really clean, healthy cooked foods back in. And so now I feel like I'm in a really good state of balance where Um, I'm not as dogmatic. Like when I got into raw, I found myself being very dogmatic, Yeah. right? Like I would see cooked food and I'd be like, but it's dead. There's no nutrients in it anymore. And I just got very heady in my head about the whole thing. Right. Uh, so now I just like, I just feel good. I feel balanced. Um, I feel like I'm more in tune, like listening to what my body is asking for. Mm -hmm. And I try and eat as seasonally as possible, you know? So like in the wintertime, even though we live in LA, Like, I don't want to dose on cold salads and cold smoothies all the time. Like, I want grounding, good, like nourishing, warm foods. So it's been an interesting journey health-wise for me through, you know, 18 years of being vegan uh, because the way I eat now is very different than the way I ate when I started.
1: Right, exactly. I feel like a lot of people go through that too because um, I was just on a podcast with a friend of mine and they were asking me the question of what does... The food that you eat now look like compared to when you first went vegan and there is some differences but there's some, some similarities as well but um, I feel like I'm just such a I like simple meals and just clean type of food and I cook at home all the time so that's what I make for myself but you know it's when I go out of the house is when it can kick it can get dicey it can get junk foody, <laughs> you know because we have a lot of those options out here in California so Um, but yeah, I try to just be mindful about, about how much of that junk type of vegan food I'm eating because, um, yeah, it's, it's easy to go overboard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people can handle it. Like, you know, we we all have uh, different constitutions and I I know some people that can go hard, (laughs) hard on junk food veganism. And I'm like, awesome. I know for me that if I have like one taco or like half a deep fried unchicken chicken burger. Yeah. Like I'm good. I just need a couple bites and I'm golden. Right. Right. And that I kind of learned that with the burger competition at seed, like 12 burgers deep. I was like, I got to tap out. <laughs> I got to tap out. So uh, yeah, we just got to, we got to honor like what our individual bodies really need, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I remember going to um, a workshop that you had here, Um, I don't know if maybe it was called a workshop or not, but, um, you had spoken about, um, your battle with depression and, um, how you overcame that and sort of your journey with that. Can you, um, speak about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that was, that workshop was actually a year ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) I, so I was diagnosed with clinical depression in the summer of 2014 And, uh, and I had really, you know, hit a, a, a nadir in my life, like a very low point where, Mm -hmm. um, if I look back on the symptoms of it, I could definitely see say as early as 2010 or 2011, like that the signs of depression were definitely there, but I was not cognizant that that's what it could be. Or I was just kind of ignoring it and thinking like, no, I can't be depressed. I remember, Mm -hmm. I remember having thoughts like that and, um, You know, 2014 was a very challenging year. That was kind of a perfect storm of, um, you know, the TV series I had on Cooking Channel not getting renewed, uh, my first book deal falling through, my manager dropping me, Mm -hmm. uh, my partner at the time uh, not wanting to be in the relationship anymore. There was just like this perfect storm in like a month and a half time span of all of these things happening where I found myself, um, you know, planning my suicide, just like contemplating like genuinely like I'm, this is how I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And the wake up call of okay, you you got to go get help. Like if you're thinking about killing yourself, you 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 got to go get help. This yeah. is not just you're not playing anymore. This is very serious. And I, you know, I chose to tackle it in in a very holistic way, where um, I was I was giving a lot to my career and and really kind of overextending myself. And I had to make a choice that if my healing and my mental and physical health was not the number one priority, I knew I wasn't going to get better. Right. And that took a lot of courage to, um, put certain things on the shelf career wise or creatively to just focus on my own healing. It was very hard, you mm-hmm. know, um, because when you do that for me, it was like, oh, well, where's the money going to come from if I'm not focusing on business. But it was that catch 22 of if I don't focus on myself, nothing's going to get better. Yeah. So, um, I went to, uh, an amazing therapist, uh, who really helped me with kind of like the, the mental emotional component of it. Uh, but I went to go see a holistic doctor, a functional medicine doctor who, um, first of all was first, you know, very accepting of my veganism. When I told him my story, he said, okay, well, what we're going to do is just, you know, do a blood panel, uh, do a neuro screen, which was basically looking at the neurotransmitters in my brain. And through, uh, at that point that was 16 years of veganism. I had never had a blood panel test Mm -hmm. and I'd never had my neurotransmitters tested. Like I literally had no idea what was going on in my body. And part of the reason I think I was in, in that depressive state was just chronic stress, chronic anxiety, And so he looked at my nutrient levels and said, yeah, you are low in certain nutrients. Uh, He's like, not because of the veganism, he said, but because chronic unabated stress. You know, you're not eating regularly, which I wasn't eating well at that time. Um, And that stress and elevated cortisol levels in the body can actually deplete your body of nutrients.
1: Wow.
0: Right. So if we're stressed out, we're anxious, we're constantly in that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. We're actually depriving our body of certain nutrients. So even if you're eating healthy, you're just going to be potentially depleted. So what I went was on a supplement regimen where it was basically, you know, boosting my brain function, uh, getting my B vitamin levels up. Um, I was low in a little bit of omega-3 fatty acids, things that were basically all due to having a good brain, a healthy brain. Yeah. So I had to focus on that and, um, and then I was slacking on my fitness. Like I wasn't yeah. working out regularly. I wasn't getting those endorphins. I wasn't... Getting my testosterone up where it needed to be. So in essence, I had to take myself on mentally, physically, emotionally—the whole thing. Yeah. Um, And I'm, you know, two years down the line, two and a half years down the line now, and uh, feeling really good, um, really proud of you know the work I put in, and in any way hoping, you know, hoping that I can share my story with other people to let them know that you know you you can pull yourself out of a very dark place, but it takes work. Yeah. It takes a lot of work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this is a good. Topic to bring to light because especially around the holiday time, people with seasonal depression, you know, it's, it's a, it can be really rough. And so, um, yeah, I just appreciate you speaking about it. And if anyone's out there listening, um, I'm sure you can get in touch with Jason or, um, reach out and, um, yeah. And so the, the blood panel test, that's amazing, to see all the different because when you you just think okay well I'm vegan I'm eating healthy foods and you know I should be fine but you actually dialed into that a lot deeper and really got into the nitty-gritty found the details of exactly you know what are you lacking what do you have too much in and I feel like that's really important for people to do Um, because you hear about okay well Oh, I need to take B12 supplements or I need to take this or that because, you know, I'll be, <laughs> I'm low, I'll probably be low in that just because I'm vegan or eating plant-based. So, um, I think that's important to know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it is because there, there's a lot of, um, I think like assumption around, like, like you said, Oh, if I'm just vegan and I'm eating balanced and I'm eating healthy, I'm fine. But what you realize is that, um, I'll give you an example, like on on a genetic level, how we assimilate nutrients can vary from person to person. It's not the same for everyone. So um, part of the componentry of I had in in the testing I had done was uh, some genetic testing for certain nutrient uptake. So I found out that, for instance, for me, um, my body has a very hard time um, assimilating folate from food. Okay. So vitamin B9, folic acid. There's no way I could have possibly known that. Right. So here I am like eating all this folate rich food and my body is like, mm, we can't really process this all that efficiently. So I actually, for, you know, the conceivable future, maybe the rest of my life, if I want to have like optimal folate levels, I've got to take a vegan folate supplement yeah. and I'm fine with that. You know, I, I take a handful of pills every day just because I'm a big fan in uh, con- I'm a big fan of conscientious supplementation that mm-hmm. I know for my body that if I want to get my folate, If I want to get, say, for instance, um, when we talk about omega-3 fatty acids, there's three primary ones. There's ALA, which you can get from hemp seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds very easily. But EPA and DHA, which are very, very important for brain health, generally you can only get from fish. But there are supplements out there that are Mm algae-based, that are vegan. Nice. Um, that you can take, which is like the one I take is I think Nordic Naturals. It's an algae omega blend, okay. fully vegan. And that gives you your EPA and your DHA. So that's the thing is like I didn't really know that. So if we when we looked at my omega values, it was like, oh, you're great in ALA. You're great with your sixes and your nines, but your EPA and your DHA are super low. And okay. that's probably why your brain isn't working. So I remember my doctor telling me, he's like, well, no wonder you're depressed. Your brain isn't getting nourished the way it needs to. Wow. And there's only really one way to find that out is if you go and get your blood tested. Yeah. So even for the longtime vegans, the newbie vegans, um, anybody really, I think it's just an eye-opening experience. Right. That if we really want to be optimally healthy, I think we just have to get that snapshot of, you know, what's going on in our bodies.
1: Right. And even if you're not eating plant-based, probably the best thing not to do would be to just uh, treat with, um, medication or pills that you're going to get from your doctor. You want to try to probably have a blood panel done and see what you're deficient in, in these areas. And then, you know, even if you're not plant-based, take a look at that and see what you need to do. And, um, uh, maybe you could look into, you know, what, what plant-based foods you could start eating incorporating more into your diet.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, cool. This is a good, segue into your book Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um can you say your book title in one breath
0: oh my god (laughs) eternity more than 150 deliciously easy vegan recipes for a long healthy joyful satisfied life yes (laughs) (laughs) i was i got nervous for a second (laughs) i was like that is a long title i
1: I put you on the spot there yeah (laughs) yeah Oh, it's good. Um, what's cool about your book is that it's not just a regular cookbook that you open it up. And it has, you know, pictures of the food and then you recipes that you follow. It's actually has a lot of really cool information and facts and science and research. And you have it sort of broken down into these different categories about um, how to eat better for dot, dot, dot. You could put um, eat better for sex, for sleep, um, for weight loss, for mood, energy, um, for your skin, for brain power. So it's really cool that, um, your book is different in that way to focus on those types of things, because I feel like, um, when we're just making these foods, uh, we don't realize the different benefits that they could have. So when you break it down like that, you're really focusing on, okay, well, you know, um, today I really feel like I don't have a lot of energy. What can I eat? Or, you know, that type of thing. So, um, I thought it was really cool. So how did you know about all this stuff? Like, did you have a doctor that was helping you write it or?
0: I'm just, I'm just a research geek. Yeah. Like, like for me, um, as much as I love the, the art of food preparation and recipe creation, you know, I wanted to give people the Why? Mm -hmm. Like not just the what or the how, like, okay, cool. This is the recipe. This is how you make it. But why are you choosing to eat these foods? Like physically, what can they do for you? Mentally, what can they do for you? So, you know, my desire was to just um, be an absolute research freak. And I have so many research studies cited throughout the book of, you know, clinical evidence of if you eat these certain foods, this is likely a positive benefit based on these studies, based on these control groups. So it's really a hybrid book of... A cookbook meets lifestyle guide meets research document. Yeah. You know, just showing people that, you know, there's, there's actual evidence for eating certain foods in combination with each other that can have a specific physical benefit. So I wanted it to be like my vision for it was I wanted to write a choose your own adventure that people could just enjoy the recipes and not care. Like cool. I just want to make a fruit pizza or I just want to make, you know, kohlrabi sweet potato fritters. And yeah. I'm, I'm cool. Like <laughs> right, I don't need right. it. But if people really wanted to understand more about plant-based nutrition and what the foods will do for you, I wanted to give people like you know, sexy food porn uh, and nutrition 101. Right. Like here it is. Plant-based nutrition 101. I got you. So that's why the book is so long. Like it's almost 400 pages. It's it's a, a you know, it's a thick. It's a heavy book. It's a right. coffee table book. <laughs> Uh, but I did that very specifically because I feel like, um, I saw a lot of like good nutrition books out there that were kind of boring and, and wrote and like challenging to get through. And then I saw amazing cookbooks that didn't give a lot of health information. And I just wanted to mash the two up and see what happened. Yeah. So I, I think, I think i mission accomplished. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm very yes. proud of it. Thank you. Clap. Thank you, thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. And then I also, what's in there too, is, uh, there's this one page that has like a bad, better and best little, uh, chart, yeah. if you will. And, um, so for example, like a bad would be bacon, a better is, is tempeh. And then a best is like coconut bacon or yep. eggplant bacon or yep. however you can make really good tasting plant-based bacon. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And then also the book combines your sense of humor, which is <laughs> hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, like, you know, when people say, oh, you have to eat for your blood type.
0: <laughs> you want to, you want to ask me about yeah, that specifically? I want to, yeah. Okay. So, uh, this has, been, this has been debunked like uh, a few years back, articles were coming out that um, there was actually no verified clinical research to actually back up Peter uh, Diadamo's research for the blood type diet. Mm-hmm. Like this was all kind of um, uh, uh, tangential information he was sharing.
1: Right.
0: And I remember reading that there was actually no verified clinical research to back up his hypothesis. So first of all, that's number one. Number two, I have met so many vegans decades-long vegans who are type O. And type O, according to the blood type diet, says that you have to eat meat to be healthy, that genetically you have to eat meat to be healthy. So I could name two very, very – uh well, he's not vegan anymore, so I won't use him as an example. I'll use someone else who's, who's a better choice. I was going to go there and I was like, <laughs> okay. no, I can't use him. He's a vegetarian. But but I could still use him. He's a vegetarian. Okay. Uh, uh, David Wolf has been – I mean, he was vegan for decades. He's vegetarian now, but 25 years plus without meat or eggs, dairy, those kind of things. Uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins is an amazing plant-based medical doctor. Uh, he runs the Tree for Life uh, 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 Center in Patagonia, Arizona. He was one of the first doctors to show that you could clinically reverse diabetes with a plant-based diet. Okay. So if people look up Dr. Gabriel Cousins, unbelievable research. Unbelievable. Nice. Great books. Uh, incredibly detailed, very thorough, he's type O uh, and he's been vegan and raw vegan for decades and decades and decades. So to me, the fact that there is no verified clinical research to back up the blood type diet that has been like peer reviewed, uh, topping that with meeting plenty of longtime vegans who are type O, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's something that has a lot of weight to it and yeah. I've never subscribed to it.
1: Exactly. Cool. Good. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it the facts are out there.
0: Yeah, they are. Just do your research. It's honestly it's like it's it's so easy to um like see a New York Times best-selling book, right? And you're like, "Oh, the zone diet or the paleo diet or the blood mm-hmm. type diet." Or this th- it's like I have this okay, I have this thing, right? It's like <laughs> I'm just going to go off for a yeah, second. Yeah, go for I it. May. Okay. Go. <laughs> it's like it's this ridiculous thing of like these fad diets where it's almost this mentality of uh they're trying to outdo each other by how far back in time they go. It's this weird thing of like, oh, well, uh, what did Jesus eat? Well, we got the Bible diet. Well, that's not back far enough. So uh, what did the cavemen eat? Oh, we got the paleo diet. So I've decided I'm actually going to come out with something called the Big Bang Diet. And you're guaranteed to lose weight because you eat absolutely nothing.
1: Particles in the air. And light and sunlight. right? right? Rock, dust, and sunlight. (laughs) You're going to
0: lose weight real quick.
1: Really quick. I love it. That's awesome. Um, So... Do you have a favorite uh, dish from your cookbook? Oh, God,
0: this is so hard. That's like asking me to pick my favorite album of all time. I know, it's right? It's like right up there. It's like, <laughs> good God. Um I, uh, hmm. I'll give you three that come to top of mind right now. Okay. Uh, Just because I was having a conversation, someone asked me in Atlanta, are your recipes hard? I was (laughs) like, there's 154, two of them are going to be challenging, like really like push you if you're not used to it. So um, I really love, I have a a gluten-free sweet crepes recipe where I make a, a, it's a strawberry tomato coulis and a lot of people don't think that strawberries and tomatoes would go together. But that's it's interesting. dynamite. Okay. So um, make these crepes, fill them with a lemon cashew cream, uh, and then nice. put the strawberry tomato sauce over the top. That's a bomb recipe. That's delicious. Okay. Um, I also love, I have a, a shepherd's pie uh, that's made with purple shepherd's potatoes. Ooh. So instead of like a crust on top, I actually bake a crust of purple potato, mashed purple potatoes on top.
1: Nice. Love
0: that recipe. And then I also really... Um, You know, I know everyone's got a a, a mac and cheese recipe, but I really love mine. Uh, It's a gluten-free butternut squash mac and cheese with uh, fried sage leaves and crispy pecans.
1: I love fried sage. That's like one of my, oh, I just, it's just tastes so good. Yeah, And it's, those types of recipes just remind me of like holidays and it's perfect timing right now, actually. Yeah. There's a lot of good
0: holiday recipes in the book, actually. Yeah. So for those of you out there who haven't gotten it yet. (laughs) It's going to save your butt during the holidays. Yes.
1: What about like uh, some Hanukkah type of Jewish meal recipes?
0: This is outside of my uh, wheelhouse. I mean, I definitely don't have like a challah bread. Maybe I should do a vegan gluten-free challah bread. Yeah. Uh, what else do they serve during? Will you clue me in? I don't know. I've never been to a Hanukkah. I've never been to a Hanukkah celebration. You haven't? N- never. I've been to many. Um, I've been to many Shabbat dinners. Okay. I've been to Passover.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
0: never celebrated Hanukkah with my friends. I
1: mean, I don't know. I guess. Uh, ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of a bad Jew, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the am the best one to ask
0: about that. Well, like what like what traditional things did you like? I know there's challah bread. Yeah, I've seen like gefilte yeah. fish. Yeah, um, matzah ball soup.
1: Matzah ball soup. Uh, my grandmother used to make um like kugel.
0: Oh kugel, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. homemade noodles, right? The
1: noodles, and it has like cottage cheese and it's like weird stuff in there. But yeah. it tastes well when I used to eat it. It tastes really good. But yeah. I know you can veganize, you know, anything.
0: I think you know what this might be like a good challenge for the holidays, Jackie. Yeah, like yeah. like a Jewish veganizing holiday thing for Hanukkah. Yeah, that could be awesome.
1: You should do a little like blog post or something. I should. Yeah. Oh
0: boy, that's that. <laughs> I, that actually would be a good culinary <laughs> challenge because I don't think, I don't think I've I've veganized any traditional Jewish recipes. Come to think of it, I haven't. That's a that's a whole area I haven't even touched.
1: There you go. Maybe that's
0: maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah you can okay. add it
1: to your. Mountain of things, my, <laughs> yeah. My mountain, right?
0: Just add it right on.
1: Yeah, you'll get to he's it. an
0: honorary Jew for the holidays, he right. makes good food. Right. Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so something else that I wanted to ask you about is in your book, you talk a lot about um alkalizing your body. Um, so alkaline water,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is the difference in that versus like reverse osmosis? Because I buy the reverse osmosis, but I haven't. Gone to the alkaline yet? Because there's so much like controversy out there that mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what's the yeah. best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, j- just to touch before we get into the water portion, like the whole principle yeah. of acid versus alkaline, you know, um, if we look at the scientific research, especially around cancer, um, cancer cells have been shown to only be able to grow and proliferate in an acidic environment in the body. Yeah. So when we're eating a lot of acidic foods, a lot of processed foods, meat, dairy, cheese, milk, eggs, uh, soda, artificial foods, that creates a very acidic condition in our body. And if we look at what's the number one killer in our country, I think the statistics last year was uh, well over 600,000 people in the U.S. alone died of cancer.
1: So crazy. So
0: if we're looking at what factors contribute to that, my belief is one of the core, if not the core factor, is what people are putting into their bodies. Yes, their thoughts. People can have toxic thoughts and negativity. We've also seen that can be a breeding ground for potential disease. But from a perspective of food, if we're eating closer to an alkaline part of the of the pH scale, uh, right around seven point two, the research I've seen says is optimal. You know, if we go beyond that, eight, nine, it's fine. We don't want to get too alkaline. Right. There has to be a balance. But the point is, is that we're just keeping our body in homeostasis where our cells can be healthy, where we can thrive, and hopefully stave off any potential diseases. That's the point of alkalinity. Sure. So, you know, I'm a big fan of eating really alkaline foods. Um, You know, uh, citrus fruits actually, especially lemon, are actually alkaline in the body. Some people think, oh, it's an acidic fruit. But if you squeeze uh, lemon juice in your water in the morning and you have that first thing, it's an instant way to alkalize your body. It's one of the things I do every morning, either that or apple cider vinegar. Nice. Um, but in terms of alkaline water, my understanding of the process of alkaline water is that they're actually filtering it and processing it through certain mineral filters yeah. that add the alkalinity to the water. Right. Um, I do know people that have actually had great success healing from disease with alkaline water as a part of their regimen. But some people think that all you have to do is just drink alkaline water and you can keep eating kind of like crappy, Right. but that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. So um, I do think alkaline water filters are good. I actually have one at my house. I have an under sink reverse osmosis alkaline filter that goes through my countertop. Yeah. And I'm a big fan. I I think it's great.
1: Awesome. I'm going to have to talk to you about that yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you
0: don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Like some of these alkaline filters are crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, but there's some out there that aren't. So
1: nice.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a good investment if it's part of a healthy diet.
1: Right. It's
0: not going to be like the end all be all.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, but if you can't afford something like that, obviously you're saying just taking water and squeezing lemon in it or apple cider vinegar and. That will help with the. Yeah. And also, alkaline.
0: like downloading too, you know, off the internet, you can get uh, food charts that show what foods are on the acidic side and what foods are on the, are on the alkaline side. Mm-hmm. And you can just put that right on your fridge and start eating more of the alkaline foods and you right. can alkalize your body that way too.
1: Awesome. Good to know. Good to know. Um, so let's talk about a few of these uh, myths. Mm. that that we were Mm. speaking about uh around veganism so Mm. a few that you had told me are um that people think it's too expensive Mm -hmm. uh too time consuming not enough variety and um fear of being socially ostracized Mm -hmm. which we kind of touched on a few of those but um i know that I've seen your videos with Vince Leah on yeah. YouTube, which yeah. have been awesome. You guys go to uh, Target, Walmart, and Costco and show all the vegan options there, which is amazing. So can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, once you're doing this long enough, you, you realize that people have the same fears and concerns. And, you know, the expense is a huge one. If they think, well, if I just eat healthy and I, I'm vegan, it's going to get so expensive. How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to feed myself? But you touched on three right there. I mean, you go to these big big box retailers now that are aggressively pricing their food, right? Because mm-hmm. they buy in such a high volume that they, they, they demand low prices and the ability to price them lower than their competitors. So. Yeah, it's, it's shocking and amazing how many options are at Target, Walmart, Costco now. You go to these big box retailers, you can save a t- especially Costco. I mean, it's a $55 membership. I'm not a spokesperson for Costco, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, you invest $55 in the membership and you can get, you know, uh, five pound bags of kale, you know, three pounds of blueberries. Uh, I'll go there and I'll get like frozen fruit for my smoothies as an example, right? You get a giant five pound bag of like frozen blueberries. For the price you would pay for one of those tiny little bags at Whole Foods. Yeah. Right? It's like $9.99. And so for me, it's just when you buy in volume, you're going to save more money that way. So whether that's a buyer's club... Uh, there's an amazing uh, resource. A lot of people like fo- who follow me like really have gotten into superfoods lately, like hemp seeds, stuff like that. Right. There are bu- buyer's clubs online. You can go buy in bulk and save money that way. A lot of your CSAs, if you guys have community-supported agriculture in your area, a lot of the local farmers who do a farm box will really aggressively price their produce that way. So the expense is really not the big thing. In fact, you find that like the most expensive stuff in the grocery store is like the meats mm-hmm. and the seafood yeah. and the cheeses. Exactly. That's the expensive stuff. So destroying that myth, just knowing that there are plant-based options at big box retailers, doing the CSA, doing the buyer's club, veganism does not have to be an expensive proposition. So that's myth number one. Number two, the time-consuming thing. Look, it's like this. If you're going to make food at home, whether you're vegan or not, it's going to be healthier if you just take time to prep food rather than going out all the time. We know that. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you know, people seem to have one day a week, most people, where it's an off day, right? For a lot of people, that's Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Most people I know. You take two hours, three hours out of your Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and you batch cook for the week. You make soups, you make chilies, you make a casserole, you make a mac and cheese, you prep your salad dressing, and then throughout the week, you're not scrambling to find options because you can just reheat the leftovers or the batch cooking you did on a Sunday afternoon and you're set for the week.
1: Exactly. So
0: meal planning and taking that portion out of your Sunday or whatever your free day is, depending on what you do for a living, you're like, oh, I got to take three hours out of my off day. Yeah, you do because that's going to make the rest of your week so much easier and so much healthier. Exactly. So that's a delineation of the whole time-consuming part. You take a few hours on one day and you knock it out for the week. Um, and then what else did I say? Oh, the ostracization of friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, my whole thing is like, it's definitely not easy if your family and friends don't understand or accept your lifestyle. But the way that I've kind of circumvented and and handled that situation was twofold. I knew that if I made really, really, really good food and I learned how and I brought that to family gatherings or I exposed it to my friends, the bottom line with most people is they just want stuff that tastes good.
1: Exactly. And
0: I realized that my family wasn't personally concerned about whether it was vegan or not. They just had this notion in their head that, oh, if it's vegan, it tastes like crap. Yeah. Once I was Mm -hmm. able to shatter that myth, they were like, oh, this is really good. And that's what I meant earlier as food is activism. Of saying like, I'm going to show you that this lifestyle is actually doable and it's delicious. So making sure that you really get good recipes and you dial that in, your family is just going to want really good tasting food. And if they don't understand, you know, the way I've explained it to people that had resistance to it was like um, asking them like, hey, um, you, you you love me, right? Well, of course I love you. Of course I love you. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, you you want me to be vibrant. You want me to have a good life. You want me to be healthy. Well, yeah, of course I want you to be healthy. Well, I know that my choice isn't in alignment with your lifestyle choice, and we're making different choices right now, and this might be scary and a little bit weird to you. But, you know, since you love me and you're a person in my life that I value and I care for, all I'm asking for is your your support. Even if you don't understand it right now, just know that I'm choosing this because I want to be healthy and it feels good for me. And can I have your support in that? And if you just really like connect with them on an emotional level, I find that that can help people just kind of like, well, yeah, okay, I I don't understand it. It is a little bit freaky and weird, but I do love you and I do want to support you.
1: Right. They're just
0: asking for their understanding and support.
1: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Anyways, with the holidays coming up and people that are going to be around their families and and friends and and people who don't follow this lifestyle, and you know, it can be rough. You know, some families yeah. being being together during these times and, um, you know, what advice would you offer them? So that's, that's a good, um, point I think is just to try to get down to a level where there's, um, you're sharing what your beliefs are and, um, what's important to you and just asking them for a support in that. Not necessarily that they have to switch their entire life style or, you know, be vegan or do whatever, but as long as they can support what you're doing and respect that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And
0: just, just having that, you know, basic human connection of just, Hey, yeah, this might be weird and foreign to you, but, but I'm doing it because I'm trying to like live a good life and be healthy and change things for myself. So, um, but also, yeah, you gotta let the food do the talking.
1: Yeah. I, and I agree. That's one of the things that, um, when I used to work in, in an office environment, Um, I would bring my lunch every day to work and people would just come around the corner and be like, Oh my God, what are you eating? That looks so good. Because when (laughs) I make food, I like, I prepare like a meal. I don't just slap something together and like, you know, really like I love to cook. So, you know, when I bring, when I used to bring things in and I would bring extra just so people could taste it and, um, people were just loving it and they were asking for recipes and asking me, what is that type of food? And where do I get that? And, you know, so eventually it ended up, uh, developing into a vegan potluck one day. (laughs) And this is, you know, in an office environment where it's all young people and, you know, no one, there was maybe a, a few other people that one other person maybe that was vegan um and so yeah a lot of people were open to to eating the food and so I feel like that's the best way to sort of win someone over is through you know their taste food you know that's right so yeah if you're if you're going out to a family holiday event I suggest making something vegan you don't even have to tell people it's vegan maybe they they know you know by default but um just putting it on the table seeing you know people's reactions yeah. And then you can fool them and say haha that was vegan yeah yeah
0: that's <laughs> and 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 also like making making uh making things that meet them where they're at right like yeah. um bringing like a seaweed salad to thanksgiving Probably right. not a good start. Yeah. Not, not, not yeah, a good start. Right. Not don't, good please start. don't. You know, uh, massaged kale with pomegranates, mm, also probably not what I would lead with. Right, right. You know, getting into, you know, like I said, the, the mac and cheese or the sweet potato pie or the pumpkin pie or the shepherd's pie or yep. um, really good like parsnip mashed potatoes, like stuff that visually they're going to look at and go, ooh, that looks really good.
1: Right, yeah. Or so. even cupcakes or different kinds of sweets. Mm-hmm. Um, those are also a good idea.
0: Yeah, things that look familiar.
1: Yes. Right, because then right. they're
0: not going to be too alienated. If you bring seaweed salad and kale, <laughs> right, right. tough sell. Right. Tough sell.
1: <laughs> tough, tough one. <laughs> you know what? I did want to just touch on the election okay. um, a little bit and okay. just see what your thoughts are on um, now that Trump is has been elected. How do you feel like that is going to affect uh the veganism movement, if at all.
0: That's a really great question. Hmm. I don't know if I have an answer specifically about veganism. I mean I mean obviously we had a, a huge, huge challenge a few years ago when the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act went into effect. Mm-hmm. Right? Of just like making it really, really hard to document slaughterhouse footage, really hard for us to um, make our voices heard and, and protest and rise up in the way that we were accustomed to, right? That the federal government has made that more challenging. Right. Uh, I don't see that being repealed. Um, what I think this is a call for, the, what, I, what I, you know, what i have about to say, I don't, it, it may be popular with some people, it may be unpopular, but it's my perspective. Um, it's very, very easy right now to buy into a culture of fear, it's very very easy right now to buy into a culture of oh my God what's gonna happen and freak out and lose our minds which I understand I mean so many friends this past week and so many conversations have been so terrified so afraid and understandably so whether that's been you know um, you know LGBT whether that's been minorities sure. people of color uh, immigrants like I mean I, I've in traveling to Miami and traveling to Atlanta and talking to people I've heard so many different perspectives and conversations. Understandably so with the rhetoric and perspective he's shared. But I just want to encourage people that we remember that we have power as people. We have power as a collective community. And that we have had very, very challenging presidents and very, very challenging administrations in the past in our lifetime. Um, And we will find a way to work through this. We will find a way to handle this with clarity and peacefulness and resolve and strength but descending into fear and descending into hopelessness, descending into freaking out and losing our composure is not going to be a part of that. Right. So, you know, I allowed myself to feel disappointed. I allowed myself to feel dismayed, but I've made a point to like, say, okay, how can we continue to move the needle forward with acceptance and love and moving away from fear? And, and I think part of that conversation, Jackie is, um, I'll use liberal just because it's a convenient term. A lot of us who uh, voted for someone other than Trump, Mm -hmm. um, are, are I've seen people very easily say, oh, well, everyone who voted for Trump is a misogynist and a bigot and a racist and a hater and a warmonger. But the reality is not every single person who voted for Trump, we can easily label and categorize that way. Sure. It's too easy to do that. And when we do that, we fall into that trap of hate and judgment and fear and saying, well, they're wrong and we're right. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do that. I think what's important is that we do our best to have a really honest dialogue with people that disagree with us. Yeah. Like, okay, so why did you vote for Trump? Like literally asking someone like, you know, what are your concerns in your life? You know, is it that you're afraid that you're going to lose your job? You won't be able to feed your family. Why are you afraid of minorities? Why are you afraid of more immigrants? Why do you feel threatened by people of a different sexual orientation? Like really asking important questions that I feel like a lot of people on the liberal side are unwilling to ask. Right. It's very easy for both sides to just say, oh, you guys are just liberal granola munching environmentalist tree huggers. <laughs> and we look over and go, well, you guys are just misogynist, racist bigots, but at the core, there's some level of humanity where I think we can relate to people who think differently and feel differently than us. And as hard as that's going to be to do, and as uncomfortable as that's going to be to do, we can either just like continue to promote the division of this country, which it's horrific how divided we are right now. It's, right. it's horrifying. Yeah. But if we keep insulting each other and we keep judging each other and sitting in this place of right versus wrong, that division's just going to keep growing. Right. And that's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take a lot of, like, sickness in our stomach to do that. Yeah. Um, But I strongly feel that that's going to be the only way that we collectively, as as a population and people, can reclaim our strength mm-hmm. and reclaim our sense of clarity. Um, And I don't expect people to roll over. And I'm not talking about, uh you know, peace, love, wo- you know, woo-woo, hippiness here. I'm talking about, like, real connection with other human beings. Sure.
1: Yeah, and you I know? think what Trump has brought to light is how much division there is in this country and yeah. maybe it was kind of sort of under this veil and he just sort of ripped the the veil off and exposed it you know right there yeah for everyone to see so i feel like that's a good outlook that you have is um that yeah we just need to be a little bit more um understanding of people and, or trying to understand people and, um, sort of, yeah, we we'll just promote more love. I don't want to sound like a, you know, <laughs> let's just love guys, come on, <laughs> break out some share, Sunny us sunny and share, you know, uh, but, but yeah. So, uh, instead of promoting, you know, seeing each other as such different, People And promoting that hate, you know, sending that ping pong ball back and forth. It's, it's never going to get anywhere. So, um, yeah, I like what you said. Yeah. It's going to take
0: work though. You know, it's, it's going to take work because I think on both sides, we're not used to willfully going and speaking to people who think very differently than us. I mean, I, I know for me, you know, I, if I look at my life, like I surround myself rightfully so with people that are very open minded, that are very accepting of people of different cultures and beliefs and skin colors and heritages mm-hmm. and sexual orientations. Like, it's just like, it is like we joke about love, but the people that I choose to have in my inner circle, the people that I love the most are very open minded, open hearted people. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there's a significant, humo- clearly a humongous yes. portion of our US population that are living in fear living in hatred are living in judgment. But I want to know why yeah right I don't want to just say, oh, I don't want to be around these people like I'm very curious why I mean what fifty almost sixty million people voted for Donald Trump why what day to day what's going on in their lives right day to day why why do they feel so disenfranchised why do they feel so much hatred toward other people? I don't know yeah like, I literally don't have an answer to that question and and by us not having answers to those questions is preventing us from understanding. Yeah, it's absolutely. preventing us from realizing they have fears and concerns just as we do, yeah, so I don't know it's just gonna take we we got a hell of a lot of work to do in this country, I clearly, agree. yeah, and I think, like you said, he just highlighted that he did we got a lot of work yeah. to do
1: it's true, it's true, um yeah, I mean, I've heard that people say on the trump side uh, this was on k c r w mm-hmm. that people that called in and said they voted for him that it was more of a um they were s- more latching onto the what he said about going in and changing the system of how things were being done and, in the government yeah so i don't know but <laughs> to me I, I don't know it's all it's all kind of corrupt anyways yeah but yeah. uh <laughs> it is yeah yeah it's uh it's a tough situation that we're in but yeah I agree we're just gonna have to work as as a community and as people um of citizens of the United States you know so uh try to overcome and yeah Stephanie and I just watched uh that documentary 13th have you seen it it? it's about the 13th amendment and um pretty much the enslavement of African-American people and um, just how they have been treated for all of history, basically, and the things that they've gone through and um, just bringing to light a lot of uh, aspects that maybe people don't really think about on a daily. So it was really shocking and sad, but it was a really good documentary.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important, like you're saying, to understand... Uh, our history. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I I think one of the downfalls of humanity in general is that we keep trying the same things, expecting different results. Right. You know, and I think Einstein said that quote of, you know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. And, you know, I, I think with the kind of division we're experiencing right now, um, with the fact that you know we're we're still at war and we still have you know troops deployed all over this planet, like there's still massive killing and massive war on this planet. Like as hu- as human beings, I don't even mean just the U.S. right mm-hmm. now. I just mean humanity collectively. We keep trying to solve the perceived problems we have as a human race with the same methodology over and over and over and over. Yeah. Clearly, it's not working. Yeah. So, th- I don't think this is just a U.S. thing. I think people need to wake the f up across this world and yeah, be like, guys, absolutely. we've been warring and enslaving and dividing and hating for pretty much the entire time we've been here on this planet. Yeah. Do you think maybe we should try something different?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Maybe.
0: Just try something different.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. <laughs> you know, and that's all I that's all I want is just get to, whether it's the food or it's just you know more of the awareness side, which I'm talking a lot more about on social media now, of just mm-hmm. like paying attention to your mind, your mental state, your emotional state, right? It's like food is one part of it, but it's way beyond food. Mm-hmm. Like all the stuff we're talking about is, is now we're getting into like, we're getting into just consciousness and the awakening of humanity and getting past violence and getting past warring and getting past this um, scarcity mentality. Because what it is essentially is this, it's like, I feel threatened by this other group of people because I'm afraid they're going to take my land, they're going to take my people, they're going to take my resources, mm-hmm. they're going to bring a different way of life and corrupt my society. It's so deeply rooted in fear and scarcity that yeah. it has infected the consciousness of our world. Yeah. It's infected the whole, all of humanity. And we have to learn how to move beyond that or we're just going to keep killing each other. We're going to keep hating each other.
1: Yeah. Um, I think meditation would probably be a good <laughs> solution <laughs> good to start. that. Yeah.
0: Sit down, be quiet and meditate
1: right.
0: <laughs> and have a green juice for God's sake. Yes.
1: And a green juice. Um, yeah. But meditation is something that you do pretty regularly. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's been a big part of my life, uh, not just in the healing of, you know, my clinical depression, but um, in my stress management, you know, daily mm-hmm. anxiety and stress management, because we clearly have a lot to be stressful about in the world right now. We clearly have a lot to be anxious about if we choose that, but Uh, I think in the midst of the calamity, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the anxiety, it is so important more than ever to carve out, you know, 30 minutes out of your day, Mm -hmm. sit still and close your eyes. It doesn't have to be in some sacred, you know, surrounded by Indian deities and (laughs) lighting incense and all that, you know, but literally just sitting down, being still and quiet for 30 minutes. Yeah. And just allowing whatever comes up to come up for you emotionally or mentally. Um, you know, it it literally changes, changes us on a cellular level. It literally changes our brainwave state. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if people would just take more time to nourish themselves in that way, I mean, even that if if every human being on this planet took 30 days a day to meditate, we'd have a, we'd have a totally different world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally different world. Oh yeah. I've definitely noticed, um, because I started out using, um, Headspace, the Mm. Headspace app. Mm -hmm. It's like, you take 10 minutes and it's a guided meditation and um, it takes you all the way up through, is it 10 days or so? I can't remember, but um, it's a good way to start out like if you're just getting into meditation and I noticed that by the end of it, well, going in, my mind was very like all over the place, racing with a bunch of thoughts and it was really hard to calm it down. But by the end of it, I was going into it and already being calm. And Mm. I had fewer of those thoughts and it wasn't as um, much anxiety. So, um, I think it definitely works and it's a powerful tool. Um, I haven't worked my way up yet to like a, a 30 minute or 40 minute one just yet, but, um, I've heard incredible stories about like people who do it on a consistent basis. And then they have sort of these like outer body experiences before where they can kind of like see themselves or certain, um, visions that maybe come up. So it's interesting. Have you ever had that happen?
0: I haven't had an out of body experience, but what I have had is, um, so I, I don't, I don't subscribe to the words being important, like God, universe, spirit. Sure. Uh, you, People use the words interchangeably. I'm not hung up on the words. Do I believe that there is a energy and a spirit, if you will, that unifies all of life? I do. Mm-hmm. The word isn't important to me. I, I have an experience of having been in certain states where, Hmm, how do I explain this? I will have a message or an intuition come through that I know is not my conscious Jason mind. Okay. Let me just say that. Yeah. Like where it's like, Oh, like, and that, that has happened when I've been able to consistently get very, very, very still and very quiet. And where you're talking about like the reduction of the monkey mind, the thoughts, just, yes. oh, I got to do this and got to take the trash out. Yeah. got to go DJ. got to go do this. got to <laughs> make food. Like the to do list in the mind when we quiet that and we get very still, that's when I feel some of those messages or guidances will come through for me. And I've felt it very clearly. Like, so for me, I think not only is it good on, on a biological level, but if we're looking for maybe to hone our intuition or just to get really quiet and get some guidance, I believe that's an effective way to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a practice like anything else, you know, it's much like an exercise regimen. The more you meditate, I think the more benefit you get from it. Um, and and you know what what i was going to say about that too is i think um i think that you know if we get back into like the collective state of 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 humanity and consciousness i i think that um again we we get so hung up on the the divisions of what makes us so different as human beings right and we focus on again skin color sexual orientation political beliefs all that but i i really I really believe at the core of who we are, we all want the same things, but our methodology of going about getting it is different, right? right? It's like, we want to provide for our families. We want to be safe and healthy. We want to protect them. We want to have a roof over our head. Mm -hmm. We want to have food every day. We like these basic, basic things of humanity. We want to feel safe. We want a sense of community. Exactly. We want people that understand us. Like, Whatever it is, whatever our expression of that is, I believe that humanity, each person at the core, wants the same kind of things. How we go about getting it, though, is very, very different. You right. know? And are we doing that in a way that's honoring each other, loving and accepting each other, or again, you know, stratifying each other, um, creating division, mm-hmm. saying, uh, I'm going to get mine in the hell with you. Sure. So, I don't know. I just... I think for me what helps, especially when I I meet people that challenge me and I do sometimes where I'm just like, this person's really activating me in like not a good way. (laughs) Right. Is just breathing and remembering like they're just trying to get their needs met like all of us. Sure. They're going about it in a way that maybe doesn't feel all that good to me right now and I don't agree with. But if I can understand they're just trying to get their needs met then we can maybe again have that kind of dialogue. And, and med- my point is meditation has helped me with that, of just accepting people more. Sure. People that years ago I was like, F you, I don't, I don't want to talk to you, don't want to be around you, whatever, like judging people. It's helped me be a less judgmental person.
1: Yeah, Not that great. I
0: agree with their lifestyle choices or agree with their viewpoints, but I can at least accept that they are a human trying to get their needs met.
1: Yeah, and not hang on to that sort of energy.
0: Yeah, because yeah, that's because di- that can
1: <sighs> that can really affect you.
0: Can, oh yeah, absolutely. We get back into like disease and like affecting ourselves on a cellular level. If you're walking around with hate and you're walking around with anger and you're walking around with grief, these are things that very very profoundly affect our bodies.
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah, and even going back to um, what you were saying about uh, you know we all just sort of want the same things and you know, these basic needs. I feel like that's also sort of parallel to, um, animal rights where, you know, if you were to poll, um, the average American and say, you know, do you agree with animal abuse just period as a Mm -hmm. question, Mm. of course, most people would be like, no, that's not cool. So, you know, that's sort of, um, you know, just a way to say, Obviously, if we were to look at veganism or a plant-based lifestyle in that way of, of course, no one wants to inflict pain or suffering on an animal. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what, what we're trying to prevent, you know, as a as a community, as a lifestyle. So, you know, if in that way, as someone who wouldn't, who's not a member of the community or following this type of lifestyle, it's you kind of already have that basis. Mm-hmm. It's sort of waking it up
0: in, yeah. in yourself. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good point is, is is that people have the, the potential or they, they do have the empathy inside of them. They do have the compassion, right. but it perhaps hasn't been nurtured sure. or it perhaps hasn't had the, the right amount of light shown on it where they're like, Because I mean, for me, when I talked about the ethics component of when I was transitioning from standard American to vegan, one of the biggest things was, um, I was in school at the time, I was taking a philosophy of ethics class. And I was in there going like, oh, I'm an animal lover, an animal this, animal that. But when I went deep into the ethical mechanics of my belief systems, I found that walking around saying I was an animal lover was actually saying, no, this category of animals, I love and protect and feed and house. Mm -hmm. And this giant category of animals (laughs) over here, I'm systematically contributing to their slaughter and oppression. So for me saying I'm an animal lover was more like, no, I'm a cat lover and I'm a dog lover and I'm a guinea pig lover. But once I realized there was that ethical gap between my perception of how I was and the reality of it, I went, oh, and then it was a choice of, do I want to live with my highest ethics? If I believe that all animals and all sentient beings have the right to be free have the right to create families, have the right to shelter and food and care and love, then I can no longer categorize them and say one is worthy and one isn't.
1: Right, Right? yeah.
0: So for me, it was like the seed was already very much there. I just needed to make that connection that there was a gap in my thinking, that there was a gap in my consistency of how I was being an ethical person in this world. Yeah. So I agree with you completely, Jack. I think the seed is within a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They just need to have the right frame around it or have it presented in the right way where it, it, it wakens that up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I see that a lot, you know, with friends or family members and, you know, people who say um, that maybe they don't agree with one thing or they see something on Facebook, like an article and they're like, Oh, that's so awful. And, you know, you just hear them say certain things about certain um, situations that happen with animals. And then, but they but they're a meat eater so you're like okay well if they care about that it's only a matter of time that they're going to get to that that point you know because if they're so if they're such an animal lover they you know want to help and rescue you know strays and all this kind of stuff and you know it's just a matter of time for them to get to that that point so yeah yeah, you just kind of have to sit back and, and let them do it on their own. And I know it's so hard because you just want to shake them and be like, but, but, but
0: <laughs> look at this, you're, you're
1: almost there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And remember, remembering that we were in that space too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah.
0: And, 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 um, to me, it's like this analogy that I use in this situation where, um, that we're all at different stages of evolution and we're all at different stages of our own personal consciousness and that, um, trying to shake a person into a level of consciousness where you're at is like, um, uh, asking a baby to run.
1: Yeah. Right. It's
0: like, you're never going to look at a newborn and go, why aren't you running yet? What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. right. But we do that sometimes as activists and we have done, I have done that where it's mm-hmm. like, why can't you see this? What's, and that just pushes people further away because sure. then they feel judged. They feel shamed. And it's like, no, you're, you're gonna, you're on your path. Right. And we can nurture that and we can shine our light. We can be a great example But um, trying to push them to run when they're not ready, when they're just like getting to crawling,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's just it's counterproductive.
1: Yeah. And I feel like people are they're either ready to absorb that information that you're going to have or they're just totally it's going to go over their head. And in one ear out the other, they're not going to listen. So someone has to be in the right uh, sort of period in their life where they're going to actually open up and be receiving of the messages that you're trying to to give to them so yeah, yeah timing is uh, a big thing timing, timing timing is an elusive thing right just like yeah. relationships it's <laughs> yeah.
0: veganism relationships i was just ready i was ready for it
1: <laughs> speaking of relationships yeah. you are in a new
0: <laughs> i That's am correct i am yeah uh today today actually it's three months as of today
1: awesome yeah. awesome so brand new good stuff love the new relationships are always fun yeah
0: and she and she's amazing she's a, she's a vegan chef uh her name is Nicole you guys can check out she's got a great youtube channel uh, it's called i vegan you like i love you I oh, vegan you
1: that's cute
0: uh she's got great recipes um she came from a traditional culinary background like le cordon bleu and uh-huh. traditionally trained and uh and we met actually she was catering a dinner party back in march and and uh and just had a great connection, and it, it took a while, it took till August, but, um, but we kept in touch, and I would see her at different dinner parties and stuff, and was trying her food, and I'm like, God, this girl's really talented, she's really crazy and fun like me. Nice. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it's brand new, and it's just, it's magic, you know, it's magic, because yeah. it's really special having someone to um, create and push each other creatively. Yep. Uh, it's great to have someone who has kind of the same zany, wacky, insane sense of humor that I do, uh, and it's just, um, it's beautiful, so I'm, I'm just so grateful to have her in my life
1: to hear that yeah. um yeah i feel the same about stephanie too and it's great just to have uh someone that shares your lifestyle it's a lot easier <laughs> to yes to go about life when, <laughs> when your partner um you know agrees on lots of uh same issues and moral values and things like that so yeah 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 what advice would you have for someone out there that that maybe doesn't have a, a vegan partner
0: um, someone who's looking or someone who's in a partnership and their partner's not vegan?
1: Maybe both.
0: Hmm. I think, uh, for someone who is, is vegan and looking for a partner, um, don't Don't let veganism be the only criteria Mm -hmm. because I think, and I'm saying this from my own personal experience and friends of mine, that like you find someone and you're attracted and there's that like primal, like chemical attraction. You're like, oh yeah, and they're vegan too. Awesome. That's enough. But you get under the hood and you realize maybe there's some other aspects of the alchemy of the way you guys relate to each other that doesn't really work long-term, whether that's um, different religious beliefs or that's um, somebody wants kids and the other person doesn't political views, whatever that is. Some people are just like, ah, they're vegan, that'll do. I'm here to say, just be patient and like, yes, uh, veganism is great to share that for sure. And that can be the basis. But really asking the right questions and taking the time to really get to know the other person Mm -hmm. is very important, even if they're vegan. Because there's so many other aspects to a human being and a personality beyond just their ethical beliefs that you need to make sure are compatible and that you feel good about. That's going to work. So that would be number one. Number two, I think, um, you know, getting out into the community more. I know a lot of vegans that, um, you know, they're really active on Facebook. They're active on Instagram, YouTube, but they're not actually going out into the community and meeting people. Right. And like you can online date, nothing wrong with online dating, but most online dating sites, because I've tried them, it's kind of like a needle in a haystack. Right. You're like looking for a vegan partner and it's like, well, we've got Veggie Date, but Veggie Date is a little bit weird. I don't really <laughs> like that site too much. I'm not going to get into that. But you know, your Hinge and your Tinder and your OK Cupid, like it's really hard to filter down and find someone. Yeah. So I think the old fashioned way of like going out, going to a restaurant, whatever juice bar, uh, uh, going to vegan festivals, like yeah. physically going out there and meeting people, I think is a great way to do it. Yeah. like old. I know it's old school, everybody, but like physically going <laughs> out and going out and meeting people is is awesome. I recommend that.
1: Putting down your phone and having just, a social interaction.
0: With a huge, <laughs> yeah. like pressing the flesh, just right. like hugging someone <laughs> for God's sake. Um, and for people that are in a partnership where their partner is not vegan, you know, I think it goes back to a lot of the advice we had with family is, um, you know, you shine your light, you live how you want to live. Um, you let the food do the talking. you be an example of uh, ethics and you being a, an example of compassion. But you also have to have boundaries. You know I, I've talked to people like in Miami, we had a whole panel on how to veganize your significant other and we talked for an hour on that. And the importance of having a boundary of <clears throat> if you're with a partner who ultimately um, is not fully accepting of your lifestyle, mm-hmm. if you're with a partner who's making it challenging for you to be vegan, especially if there's kids involved, Ultimately, if this person is not in full acceptance and support, you may want to examine whether you really feel like this partnership is serving you. It's not an easy question to ask, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people I know that are in situations that they're afraid to leave because it's the abandonment fear. It's the fear of how am I going to find someone else, the fear of breaking up my family. I'm not advising you to do this. I'm saying in your heart, you need to ask yourself like, even if this person, again, has a different belief system with, the, with than I do, do they accept this? Do they respect it? Sure. Are they going to allow me to influence my children, feed them plant-based? A lot of couples that I know where, say, um, the woman is vegan and the man's not, which is usually the most yeah. common scenario, mm-hmm. is they'll make an agreement, right? It's like, okay, baby, when you're out of the house, go eat what you want, but when you're under this roof with our kids, you know, I respectfully ask that we make this a vegan household, Sure. Right? Yeah. You're out there. You do what you will. So I think it's just about having open, loving communication with your partner, setting proper healthy boundaries, and, um, you know, negotiating. I mean, negotiation is an important part of any relationship, yeah, absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. I don't like the word compromise, but negotiating. Like, how can we both feel good about this? If the goal of being in partnership is that we uplift each other, we help each other have the best life possible, then ultimately deciding what's going to make both parties feel good.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Good answers. Um... Okay, one thing that we didn't touch on just yet mm-hmm. is your comedic career.
0: Oh boy, yeah, yeah that's so, new.
1: Yeah, that's brand new, and um, I got to see you perform, which was awesome <laughs> and hilarious. We loved it, so um, talk about that.
0: Yeah, the stand-up thing. Uh, so I'm doing stand-up comedy uh, here in Los Angeles. Uh, any LA people, uh, you can check out my Facebook, Instagram. I always post about the shows. I've got a, a, a show coming up. Uh, at the comedy store where I'm doing the main stage. Nice. um, Which is a big step for me. And it's one thing that I'd always wanted to do for years. And I was afraid of doing it because it is scary as hell. Uh, (laughs) And I just, I set an intention at the beginning of this year that I was going to do more things that scared me, like scared the hell out of me, right? Yeah. And I knew stand-up was on that list. It was like, okay, you've been talking about this for years. You just, you got to do it. You just got to do it. Like there's no more running from this. So I took a stand-up comedy class with this amazing teacher, uh, Jerry Katzman, and um, that was like a four-month class, and I've been performing since I graduated, so this is my fifth gig coming up, and I'm just doing it because it's like, it's a way for me to express myself outside of food and just talk about topics other than, you know, food and healing and nutrition and just talk about, you know, cats and dating and... (laughs) just weird tangential things in my mind that I don't really have the outlet to share anywhere else. Yeah. So it's been fun. Uh, it's been very challenging. Uh, writing comedy is very challenging. Yeah. And you know, for all the jokes that like you saw at the show, I mean, there were, you know, God, for, for maybe like 50 jokes I would write, I could maybe pull out one or two.
1: Oh, wow. So it, It's, it's yeah. a
0: high volume of like writing, revising, writing, editing, Over and over. So when you guys see your favorite stand-ups, I think there's this misnomer. They're like, wow, they're just getting up and doing it. No, they're (laughs) not just getting up and doing it. They work their ass off to write and write and write and hone and refine. And for a lot of these comedians, like, the jokes are never really done.
1: Right, Like, they're always
0: tweaking, always revising. So... Um, it's been a very rewarding experience, but a very maddening experience. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind very often. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when is this joke done? I don't know. <laughs> but then you perform it and you see what people respond to. Right. You know? Exactly. And then you keep revising and...
1: Yeah. It's just, sort it's of like a, a process. trial and error type of thing.
0: Or like music. Like, I feel yeah. like it's the same. Like, you write a song, you go out and perform it, you can change it, you can tweak it, and... and I don't know. I feel like the music and comedy are very similar art forms.
1: Yeah, definitely. So how long do you keep a bit for before you have to change your whole thing? I don't
0: know. Some pe- I mean, it, I feel like uh, if you're a touring comedian, like on the level of like a Louis C.K., right? I've yeah. heard that he will do, um, if he's on a big tour, like a worldwide tour, right? He'll do the same, same set for a year. But then he forces himself to write all new material which is very hard. Oh my if, you're gosh. Do, if you're doing an hour set and you're touring that, yeah, that's a lot of material right But to abandon all that and start fresh every year, that's hardcore wow. hardcore right because some comedians are like using the same jokes for years and years and years. So I think that's a great policy he has as an example of constantly pushing himself, constantly challenging himself to, to write new stuff. For me, since I'm five shows deep, I mean I'm using a lot of the same material. But the challenge is that a lot of this, since it's LA and I haven't toured outside of LA yet, the same people keep showing up and they've already heard the jokes and I'm like, oh, they're going to be bored with this. So I'm taking a big risk on Friday. My next gig is on Friday and it's like, I, it's my short set. I only have six minutes. I'm main stage at the comedy store. Okay. And so like, I can probably do a joke a minute. So that's six jokes, not a lot of jokes. Right. So what I'm thinking about doing is like having three new jokes And three from the old set. Okay. And like hybridizing the two. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like if I do six all new jokes, five shows in, a part of me starts to like, you know, feel like I'm going to lose my bowel function. Yeah. Like you (laughs) just say, I'm going to poop on stage. Not good. Not a good look at all. Um, So I feel like, yeah, I need to introduce new stuff, but I also want to anchor it in the stuff that I know works. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wish you luck.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Yeah. I know it's got to be so nerve wracking and, you know going up in front of a big crowd and you're expected to make them laugh and then what if they don't and then yeah
0: yeah yeah it's it's yeah and i i do i feel like you know people like oh you must be so comfortable because you've done like all these youtube channels and you you know you tour and you do these food demos like it's a very different thing
1: yeah absolutely it's a
0: very different thing
1: yeah because you're not when you're doing that you're not there's not so much pressure to make someone laugh every minute yeah
0: yeah (laughs) For six minutes straight. For six minutes Great.
1: straight. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so I also read on your, in your bio that you, are you still trying to introduce a product line of superfood drinks?
0: That's, in that's on the back burner. That's, yeah, okay. that, that's, okay. oh, boy, <laughs> that's still there. It's it, still is still there? there. Okay. it is still there. It is still there. Because I, um, I really love beverages for some, for some reason, like I just love, um, I love smoothies and tonics and drinks and like that, that category in the food world is very exciting to me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we are so dominated right now by, you know, kind of the four hour energy drinks and all the unhealthy stuff out there that, um, kind of an extension of the philosophy of the book that if I have a line of beverages that have functional benefits, like this beverage is going to help you sleep. This one's going to help you have better sex. This one, this one's going to build muscle. This one's going to whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so my idea is just to have like a functional line of superfood, vegan beverages that like help you improve one aspect of your life or maybe a couple aspects of your life. So it's still there. I'll get to it at some point. I just don't know when. Yeah. I just, there's uh, so much going on right now.
1: I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then what about, uh, are you writing a second book or are you in the process of that? Okay. So,
0: so I, I have. I have the idea for a second book. Okay. Uh, and my publisher, Hay House, has asked for uh, like a summary, a proposal for that. Yeah. And um, what I'd like to do is dig into that over Christmas break. I'm going to be going home, like I mentioned, to Detroit to visit my mom and my family. And for whatever reason, when I'm at, when I'm at mom's house, it's just easier to like focus because there aren't as many distractions as yeah. there are here in LA. Right. Um, so I really kind of want to dig into the, the, the you know... The structure of that proposal there, but I do have a very specific idea for book number two. Okay. Yeah, it's there.
1: That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting
0: and scary. Yeah. I was like, oh boy, (laughs) it took so long to (laughs) write the last one. So I I, I definitely will dive into that in 2017, um, but the vision is there and I'm excited about it.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well at least you've gotten through your first one, so... that's out of the way. You kind of know the ropes a little bit. So maybe this one will be not as tough. Yeah, they
0: say baby number two is easier. Don't they? Yeah. At least I hear. I hear. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, cool. So uh, we are going to do a little giveaway. Yes. And... We're going to give away a signed copy of your book, Eternity.
0: In gold pen. I will sign it in gold. Ooh. Gold Sharpie.
1: <laughs> 14 carat. No. <laughs> um, and so the way that you can enter this contest for the giveaway is when I post the um, podcast on my Instagram, you have to go and comment. First, you have to follow Jason and I. Then you have to comment and tag a friend, and tell us one thing that you love about Jason, and we will pick a winner. Uh,
0: I'm excited <laughs> to hear these answers. I'm kind of scared to hear these answers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> me too, me too. Make them good, make them good. Um, so, okay, where can people find you on, Where? what's the best place if they want to know, like, the next comedy show or where you're going to be.
0: Yeah, uh, I direct people right now primarily to, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, My Facebook page, I'm doing pretty close to daily Facebook live videos, just updating people on, you know, the latest and greatest of what's going on. Um, Having a lot of the same discussions we had today, just about mindset and ethics and diet. Um, so people can check me out. That's just Jason Robel official. That's my, uh, my business page on Facebook. Um, Instagram is just at Jason Robel. I'm also on Twitter, Pinterest. That's both at Jason Robel. I'm on Snapchat, um, uh, YouTube, which I am going to be starting up new videos. That's Jason Robel TV. Uh, and then people can find me on my website too, which is just jasonrobell.com Just Google Jason Robel <laughs> W R O B as in baby E L. And I'll come up on your Google search.
1: Nice, and I will include all of those links in my show notes as well, so easy access.
0: That's all. I am. I'm easy. <laughs> yeah. Just ask my girlfriend Nicole. Very easy. Very easy to live with. Don't <laughs> right. think I wasn't. I wasn't referring to that. Dirty minds. Dirty. An easy dirty. guy to live with.
1: <laughs> well, cool. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a lot of fun. We got deep. We, we got did. real deep. I'm
0: glad we did. <laughs> you too. asked great questions, Jackie. Thank you. Yeah, it was thank a pleasure. You.
1: Awesome. Well, um, I hope to have you back sometime in the future. For sure. All right. Thanks. Take care. Alright, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope some of those tips will work for you this holiday season. There are so many things that I'm thankful for this year, but I'd like to go ahead and say a few of them. Um, I'm thankful for being vegan. For my girlfriend Stephanie. My family and friends. For Beat by Beat. For my rights as a member of the LBGTQ community. My rights as a woman. For all the activists who risk their lives for animals for my guest today jason robell for all vegan food for restaurants who offer vegan options and of course for all you listeners out there i wish everyone a happy thanksgiving and if you like the show please like and leave comments reviews on itunes soundcloud or stitcher and we will see you next time on the beat by beat podcast love and beats you okay.